0: Welcome to the Mark Biltz Podcast, where we cover end times and current events from a biblical perspective. Currently, we're in the biblical month of Adar, which is the 12th month of the biblical calendar. Today is March 19th, 2023, also known as the 26th of Adar in the Hebrew year of 5783. Now, we know that Christians, Muslims, and religious Jews all believe are living in the end times. Yes, we all believe differently in how it will all unfold. But anyone who has a brain with any discernment knows that we are at the culmination of this age. People may say, Old oh, false prophets have all proclaimed the end of the world and it's never come. Well, let it be known right from the beginning, I do not believe in the imminent end of the world scenario. I don't even believe we're about to witness the end of the world, although it sure seems mankind is doing everything that they can to destroy it. But guess what? God won't allow mankind to destroy the world because that is His job. I do believe we are entering a major time of transition that will be literally taking place over the next thousand years. Right now, mankind is already attempting to do all they can to destroy the world. So fashion your seat belts and buckle up as we are going to go on the ride of our lives. In all of our podcasts, we want to cover current news and bring out their prophetic significance as to when they fall on the biblical calendar. And if you want to consider yourself as a student of prophecy, you must know the biblical calendar. As a matter of fact, in Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 23, he says, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It's not in man that walks to direct his steps. Well, guess what? We're all born with a broken watch and a broken compass. We don't know what direction we're going. We don't know what time it is on the biblical calendar but as it says in first chronicles 12 32 we all need to be like the children of issachar who had an understanding of the times and knew what israel ought to do well let me begin at the beginning in isaiah chapter 46 and verse 10 it says that god declared the end from the beginning in the ancient times the things that aren't even yet done Wow, well guess what if God declared the end from the beginning if you want to know Prophecy you have to go back to the beginning to see how it is all going to end as a matter of fact the very first word in Genesis 1 In the beginning, three words in English, one word in Hebrew, Bereshit, I can show you the entire plan of God within that one word. And in the very first verse of Genesis 1-1, I can show you both the first and the second comings of the Messiah. It's all there, but you have to know the Hebrew. As a matter of fact, when you go to Revelation chapter 13 and verse 8, It talks about everyone on earth are going to worship the Antichrist whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb who was slain from the foundation of the world. Oh my goodness, not slain 2,000 years ago, but 6,000 years ago. God had this completely planned that he was going to send his son to die for our sins from the very beginning of (coughs) creation. As a matter of fact, uh, there's nothing worse than having your child die before you. Well, guess what? God, who is all-powerful, and he is the great maestro and the time conductor of the world, He said, I'm going to determine what day my son is going to die. I'm going to determine what time he's going to die. As a matter of fact, I'll even determine what songs are going to be sung at his funeral. So he had King David a thousand years before Messiah came actually write the funeral hymn that would be sung when his son Yeshua died. This is incredible. Well, when we look at Leviticus, chapter 23, verse 2, and we mentioned this on our last podcast, but it says how the Lord told Moses to tell the children of Israel concerning the feasts of the Lord that they were to proclaim them to be holy convocation. And then he says, even these are my feasts. What's so important for the listener to understand here these aren't the Jewish feasts. God says, these are my feasts. And then he gave them to the Jewish people. But we have to remember the feast really means a divine appointment. And when they were called holy convocations, that Hebrew word there is mikra, and it implies a dress rehearsal. So to tell you just how important the biblical calendar is and how all these events were not coincidence, but planned by God from the beginning of the world, do you realize every Nisan 14 from the time of Moses, they would kill the Passover lamb on that day at three in the afternoon. Well guess what, that's the day the Messiah died on Nisan 14 at three in the afternoon. So they were doing the dress rehearsals for the death of the Messiah every year for 1500 years. The Messiah died on Nisan 14. He was buried on the Feast of Unleavened Bread. He rose on the Feast of First Fruits. And then the Spirit was poured out on Shavuot, or Pentecost. But let's for a moment understand this deeper by going to Matthew. This is chapter 26 and verse 30. It talks about at the Last Supper how they, when they had sung a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. Well, here's what's fascinating. How many of you know what the words were to the hymn that they sang right before he was betrayed and rejected? Many of you don't know because you're not connected to the Hebrew roots that you can know the very words to that song. And the reason why I know them is because I have studied what's been happening over the last several thousand years concerning the Feast of the Lord. Well, guess what? Every single Passover, they sing the Hallel, which is Psalms 113 through Psalms 118. The Psalms was their hymn book. So Psalms 118 is the last hymn that is sung every year on Passover. So what were they singing? That last hymn right before Yeshua was betrayed and rejected and turned over to the Gentiles? Listen to Psalm 118, verse 22 through 24. It says, The stone the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone, and this is the Lord's doing. It's marvelous in our eyes, and this is the day the Lord has made. So let us rejoice and be glad in it. Isn't that absolutely incredible? Now you have to realize When you read Josephus, who was a historian who lived back in that day, he had said there were like 2 million people in Jerusalem for Passover. Can you imagine a 2 million member choir all singing the same words at the same time? Well, they would sing Psalm 118 three times a day. They would sing it at 9 in the morning, they'd sing it at noon, and they would sing it again at 3 in the afternoon. So imagine this, at 9 in the morning it's the time of the morning sacrifice. At the very moment the high priest is tying the Passover lamb that will be sacrificed later in the day, it's at 9 in the morning, at that very moment they're binding Yeshua to the cross." And so what is he hearing as he's being nailed to the cross at nine in the morning? Psalm 118, he hears the two million member choir singing, the Lord is God. He's given us light. Bind the sacrifice with cords, even to the horns of the altar. Isn't that amazing? The very moment the high priest is binding the Passover lamb to the horns of the altar. They're singing, bind the sacrifice with cords to the altar. At the very moment, Yeshua is being bound to the cross. And then at noon, again, they're singing Psalms 118. Now at noon, if you remember, this is when all the lights go out. It turns pitch black. It's dark for three hours. What is Yeshua hearing everybody sing when he is now hanging between heaven and earth? He hears them singing Psalm 118, verse 16. The right hand of the Lord is lifted up. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. This is amazing that that is what he is hearing. And then at three in the evening, which is the time of the evening sacrifice, when they slay the last Passover lamb for the nation of Israel, he hears this choir singing, Psalm 118, and the lights have just come back on. It's no longer dark. And what does he hear them singing but Psalms 118? Let's look at verse 2 through 4. Let Israel now say that his loving kindness endures forever. Let the house of Aaron now say that his loving kindness endures forever. Now let those who fear the Lord say that his loving kindness endures forever. Can you imagine? God created the sun and the moon and the stars for signs. And here, all of a sudden, on His appointed day. Now, Nisan 14 is going to be, and Nisan 15, a full moon. Now, you can only have a lunar eclipse on a full moon. Well, they happen at night. So that's not what turned everything dark. A solar eclipse can only happen at a new moon, which was two weeks earlier. So it wasn't a solar eclipse either. But the sun stopped shining and the stars stopped shining exactly on the biblical date of Passover. Yeshua was so upset at the religious leaders of his day. He talked about how they were just really hypocrites. He says in Matthew chapter 16, this is verse 2 and 3, when it's evening, you say, well, it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning, you will say, it's going to be stormy today for the sky is red and threatening. And then he says, you know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. So many people think that you can't know when the Lord is going to be returning. Yes, there's been a lot of false prophets proclaiming the end of the world, but none of them were using the biblical calendar and they didn't know how it even operated or how it was tied to the feast. God is rebuking the religious leaders because they can't read the signs of the times. Most of us realize a day with the Lord is considered to be as a thousand years for us. Well listen to a prophecy. This is in Hosea chapter 5 verse 14 and 15. God says, I'm going to be to Ephraim like a lion. Now we know Yeshua is known as the Lion of Judah. And he says, and as a young lion to the children of Judah. Then listen to this. He says, I, even I, will give him wounds and go away. I will take him away. There will be no one to help. And then it says, I will go back to my place until they're made waste in their trouble. They will go after me early and will make search for me. Wow, what did Messiah do? He came down to earth and he died. And here it's prophesied during the times of Hosea that then he will go back to his place. And that's exactly what he did. But listen now to the next verse in Hosea chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. It just got done saying earlier that they're going to search for him. And now it says that the Jews are saying, come, let us return to the Lord yes he has torn and he will heal us he has smitten us and he will bind us up and then it says after two days he will revive us in the third day he will raise us up and we shall live in his sight do you grasp this two days is two thousand years and what happened At 2,000 years from Israel being destroyed and having gone through the wilderness, what does it say? It says, he will revive us. Well, what happened in 1948? 1948, Israel became a nation again. And then when he says the third day he will raise us up, the third day refers to the millennial reign where everyone will be raised up from the dead that are righteous to join Yeshua in his kingdom going right here on earth. So here's a big prophecy telling us we are living right at the time of the third day when he will raise us up. Now, let me bring this point up. A lot of people, when they hear me talk about the Hebrew year being 5783, They think with the day of the Lord as being a thousand years, that we got another 217 years before Messiah can come. What are you talking about? Well, the Lord didn't say after 6,000 years. He's saying after the sixth day, and then that seventh day, he will raise us up. Well, when you study your Bible, you know the day actually begins the night before. Just like Friday night begins the Shabbat and then it ends Saturday night. Well, guess what? We are in the year 5783, which means we are 783 years into this millennium, which is equal to about 7 p.m. We are now in the seventh day now. We don't have to wait 217 years because we begin the seventh day basically this year. It is going to be sunset at 7 p.m. I believe even in Israel at Rosh Hashanah. Well, 5783 is equal to about 7 p.m. So I believe the Messiah can come at any time. So here's my point. Messiah fulfilled all the feasts to the day of His first coming. He died on Nisan 14. Then He was buried on unleavened bread and He rose on first fruits. We have to get away with the idea that He rose on Easter because sometimes Easter is a month before Passover. How can He rise from the dead a month before He dies? It's because we're on the pagan Gregorian calendar. So if we we were going to totally miss prophecies when they are fulfilled because we have created a completely different calendar than the one God has used. So, for example, as I said, he was buried on unleavened bread. So what do we find in Deuteronomy chapter 16 and verse 16? it says three times in a year will all your males appear before the lord your god in the place which he will choose and so first off i just want to mention that it only mentions the males the females are not required to go you know why Because the females would all love to go and socialize three times a year because they're very social creatures. But the men have to be told what to do because what man three times a year is gonna leave his farm for a couple of weeks uh, unprotected. uh, So they have to be told to make sure that they go. And here it mentions the three times that all the males were to appear. The first one was in the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Now, that's a seven-day feast with a lot going on, Passover being the 14th of Nisan. Unleavened bread starting on the 15th of Nisan, going for seven days. And then it mentions the Feast of Weeks. Now, the Feast of Weeks refers to the seven weeks between the Passover holiday and Shavuot, or Pentecost. And then it says also in the Feast of Tabernacles. Well, uh, what's fascinating uh, about this is we have to realize the Jews were required to keep the Feast of Pentecost 1,500 years before the book of Acts. They had been keeping it every single year. And we'll talk about that a little more in a little bit. We see in Exodus chapter 12, verse 15, that for seven days they were to eat the unleavened bread. The first day they had to put leaven out of their houses. Whoever ate leavened bread from the first day till the last would be cut off. So historically, they would remove all the leaven out of the house. Do you know this is where we got the whole idea of spring cleaning from? And then in Exodus thirteen seven, they had to eat unleavened bread for seven days. No leavened bread could even be seen with them. So let's take a look now at these dress rehearsals and see if we can find any Messianic meanings and understand why it's so important to be on the Biblical calendar. Because it was the Days of Unleavened Bread, now of course they didn't have electricity back then, 2,000 years ago or even 3,500 years ago. What they would do, because they were also responsible to teach this event to their children, that the mother would hide some leaven in the house just to make it fun and a memorable event for the kids. And then as soon as it was found, the children were instructed, uh, instructed not to touch the leaven, but they had to call upon their father for its removal. Well, what would happen? The father would then use the gentle touch of a feather to place the leaven on a wooden spoon which never had leaven until placed there by the father who used this wooden spoon as a vessel to remove the leaven from the house. And then the leaven, the wooden spoon, and the feather were all wrapped up in a linen cloth taken outside to be burned, the whole time being carried in the father's hands." Well, Let's take a look at what we learned from this as a pattern and what literally happened on these very days, even 1,500 years later. When they removed the unleavened bread, the first thing the Father would have is a candle. Well, listen to Psalm 119, verse 105. It says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So the candle or the light was referring directly to the Word of God. Then the feather, what was it symbolic of? Well, Psalm 91.4 says, He'll cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you will trust. Well, this feather refers to the Holy Spirit. And then we have the wooden spoon in deuteronomy 21 verse 22 and 23 it talks about being hung upon a tree if you are cursed well we know yeshua was hung upon a tree and then we look at the symbolic meaning of leaven and in second corinthians 5:21, we see that yeshua was made to be sin for us and he had known no sin so leaven speaks of sin And then we have the linen cloth and they talk about how yeshua they brought a linen cloth they took him down and wrapped him up in the linen and then it was all taken outside this unleavened bread and in hebrews 13 13 this is why it says let us go to him who's outside the camp bearing his reproach well let me ask you this do you remember the story of messiah turning over all the money changers tables Do you know what month that happened in? I will tell you, it was at Passover, and Yeshua was getting all the leaven out of His Father's house. We see that in John 2, 13 through 15. It says the Passover of the Jews was at hand. He went up to Jerusalem, and He drove all the money changers out from the temple. Wow, this is amazing. So what do we see? The search for leaven begins in His Father's house, and here Yeshua is helping his dad clean his house of leaven right before the days of unleavened bread. Well, we also have to believe that we are the house of God. It says in 1 Peter 2:5, we are built up as a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices. So every Passover, we need to try to make sure we get all the leaven or the sin out of our life. And then guess what? He rose on the feast of first fruits. In Leviticus chapter 23, verse 10 and 11, God says, When you come into the land I'm gonna give you and you bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest, I want you to wave that sheaf before the Lord to be accepted on the morrow after the Sabbath. Well, guess what? Sheafs represent a person. And sheaves represent people. Listen to Psalms 126, verse 6. It says, He that goes forth and weeps, bearing precious seed, will doubtless come again rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. This is obviously referring to people who have been witnessing the word of God to people, and those who have accepted it, he's bringing them along with them. Now, in 1 Corinthians 15, 20, it talks about how Messiah has risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of all those who have fallen asleep. So here, Messiah, on the feast of first fruits, becomes the first fruit offering. Now, of course, the Spirit, as most people read in the book of Acts, was poured out on the feast of Pentecost. Well, in Hebrew, that's known as the Feast of Shavuot. And if you remember in Deuteronomy 16, 16, the Jews were required to keep this Feast of Shavuot or Pentecost. So guess what? The Jews were the first Pentecostals. As a matter of fact, for the uh, last 3,500 or so years, the Jews have been keeping the Feast of Pentecost. That's why they were Jews from every nation in the book of Acts there to celebrate the Feast of Pentecost. And to this day, most Pentecostals don't even know when Pentecost is. But this is why we need to get on God's calendar. And as I said, uh, in Leviticus 23, 17, here it talks about how they were to bring two wave loaves that were baked with leaven. Messiah is unleavened, but Jews and Gentiles are baked with leaven through and through. Now, in Leviticus 23, 20, and 21, it talks about that is to be a holy convocation. Again, that means a dress rehearsal. So after rehearsing this for 1,500 years, it actually came about in the book of Acts. As a matter of fact, in chapter 2, verse 1 through 5, it says, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord, dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men out of every nation. So the books, uh, the book of Acts isn't where... A bunch of pagans got hit on the head with the torah no the entire book of acts when this happened were all jews from every nation which is why in acts 2 2 and 3 there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind like as a fire well guess what the jews read the book of ruth every year on pentecost they stay up all night as well as reading exodus 19 talking about the very first shavuot and they also read ezekiel where it talks about a rushing mighty wind and tongues of fire landing on the heads of people so let's conclude this podcast again we must realize history repeats itself which is why the pattern can be erased when history is being rewritten we humans are all born with a broken compass, a broken watch, and we have to get back to God's calendar to find our direction and know what time it is. So be here next week on the Mark Bilts Podcast, where we look at the end times and current events from a biblical perspective. Thank you for listening to the Mark Bilts Podcast, a Builds Voice Enterprises production.